We have been um, basically looking at Matthew chapter 13, which is a, like a whole bunch of parables all together. If you don't know what a parable is, a parable is basically a fictional story that is used to help us understand something that is spiritual. Okay? Jesus spoke in parables. Okay? More often than not, when he was talking to large groups of people and things, this is kind of how he spoke. He, he kind of gave a story that you would get and understand. And then he says, now all of those things represent something spiritually, an idea, a concept, that you can now look at things in the natural world right, and say, huh, that's kind of how it works with God. Right? Isn't that, does that sound like a great idea? Like using something you understand to teach you about something you don't understand. That's the goal is to get you to understand this. So if anyone's told you Jesus spoke in parables so he could hide the truth and hidden things and lock it away in a vault, that's a lie. We read and we dispelled that lie uh, just a few weeks ago because we actually read the particular part of text where people pull that out and get, it, get you all off thinking incorrectly. So we're going to continue on with this, but this is probably one of the most well-known parables, one of the longest parables when you compare to the fact that Jesus actually directly told us all the answers to this one. Like a lot of times he answers a question with a question. Y'all remember that? Okay, because we're on week six or, or session 16 right now. So if you've been here in any of them, you're finding out that Jesus was a savage. Like he just straight up went for the jugular every single time, never gives you a break, always raises the bar. It's just like, wow. And then on top of that, he answers questions with questions to make you think. Y'all didn't know that. Okay, y'all aren't thinking this morning. God gave you a brain to use that brain to understand him. Do you understand me? For a second, I thought maybe this thing had a weird translator, and I'm speaking Greek to you. Get it? Because we're going to define Greek words. Okay. So we're going to look at this parable. It is called commonly the parable of the sower. Now, before everybody started clenching your wallet between your butt cheeks, it has absolutely nothing to do with your money. We're going to talk about that. But before we do, we need to pray that our hearts and ears are truly open to hear what the Spirit is about to tell us this morning. Because you do not get off the hook. You are in this story. And I'll give you a little hint. You're not the hero of it. Let's pray. Father, again, we say thank you for this moment and this time. We thank you for the opportunity that we live in a place in which we can freely worship you in the way that you lead us. Father God, don't let it be worship in the way we see fit. Let it be worship in the way you see fit. Father, we pray that right now our hearts and our ears are open to perceive and understand your spirit, your kingdom, so that we can walk it out in our natural lives. And everybody said, amen. So. The parable of the sower, or sometimes it's called the parable of the four grounds, which you guys can get. Yes? I love watching all of y'all's faces when y'all walk around that corner. I, you know, I love actually that that wall's there now. Before, I was like, no, we need it like open. I like it because y'all walking in like normal. I'm just here to do my due diligence so I can check the checkbox that I went to church. And you walk around and be like, oh, man, I don't know which chair is mine. They're all written underneath it. Um, but as we get going, I need to make sure everybody got a jar of dirt. Jack Sparrow, yes, okay. If you do not, there's some empty ones. Everyone needs a jar of dirt. It is dirt, not coffee. <laughs> I had someone say, oh, you're giving us some coffee. No, that's dirt. Don't eat it. 
So you just need to hold on to that for a moment. Now, before we dive in and start reading this parable, because we're just jumping in, this is kind of just Jesus speaking, giving us a parable. I am coming off of the idea that you have listened to something of the last 15 sessions that we have had. If you have not, and you're like, I have not listened to a single vault session, that's cool. It's going to make sense, but it will make a lot more sense if you go back and listen to them. Okay? Now, the reason being is because for so many years, we have picked, picked apart Scripture and said, I really want to read this verse. And we haven't read it in context. So we actually don't understand the verse at all. We think we do, but we don't. And, and then we use it outside. Right? It's like trying to use a hammer as a wrench. Okay? Or like, I don't know, mascara as, as foundation. Right? Those are two very different things. Yes, look at me go. That's proof I've been married and domesticated. So... <laughs> Right? It's like using the wrong tool to try to achieve something that's never going to work out. And then you're sitting around whining and crying saying, God, I don't understand you. And it's because you're just nitpicking things. And we need to understand the whole of it. So go back and listen because it gives you the full breath. For so many times we've heard things about what Jesus has said. But we haven't heard the whole message that Jesus, that's why we're doing this in this epically long series. We're at session 16 and we're barely halfway through, guys. By barely, I mean like we're at 42% of every word. So there's about 2,200 words that we have to go, and we're like setting right around like 900 and something, including what you're about to hear today. Uh, so you're not getting ahead right now. You're still a failing grade of listening to everything you just said. Okay? It's very vitally important because otherwise we're going to misuse Scripture to our own personal benefits to try to justify things within our lives. And then we blame God for it. Y'all aren't liking this already? I, I haven't hit you with the hard part yet. So keep that in mind because we're jumping right into this parable. Now, I need to say one other thing. All Scripture is given. Yes, one of us, one of us. Okay, we're getting it now. Everybody's like, this church is brainwashed. That's kind of the idea. It's kind of dirty. We need to clean it. Okay, so... <laughs> All Scripture is given for spiritual understanding and natural application. It is given to us to where you can start to perceive and understand the will, plan, and purpose of God, the heart of God. You understand it, and now you must apply that in your lives. If you have one without the other, you end up with two things. You either end up with hypocrisy or religion. Hypocrisy is you can understand a whole bunch of spiritual things, but you do nothing with it. Right? Or you're doing a whole, oh, sorry, I said that reverse. I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm just ready to go. <laughs> Religion is you understand a whole lot of spir uh, spiritual things. No action. And hypocrisy. So I'm saying it reversed again. <laughs> Guys, I've been, why are y'all not correcting me? Y'all should be teaching this back to me right now. And y'all are like, have you said this before? Every single week. Apparently I haven't because I'm having struggle with it. Religion is all the right actions. You're doing things, natural application, but no spiritual understanding behind it. No one can tell you why you're not supposed to do it or supposed to do it. You're just doing it and saying, because it gets me to heaven. And it, nope. And hypocrisy is you don't do anything with all the spiritual knowledge. You've got, you can sit there and quote scripture left and right and everything, and everybody looks at you and say, well, it doesn't work apparently. We're about to find out why. So we need to understand this because if you approach Scripture reading it for any other reason 
than to understand spiritual things. You think it's to help you understand this natural life? No. It's to help you live out this natural life. It's to help you understand the Spirit. So Jesus does this through these stories that he gives us of something we understand. Now, here's one issue before we read it. We didn't live 2,000 years ago. Some of you may feel like it, but I promise you, you're not 2,000 years old. So 2,000 years ago, the life that people lived was vastly different than this one, yes? I mean, could you imagine? No one would have posted like you guys posted on Facebook if you had to chisel it out and stuff every time. <laughs> oh, share it? Hang on, let me copy that down real quick and write it all out. Okay, share this. Like, no. Why? It took vast, it's a whole different idea. They were planters and farmers and herders and everything like that, and here we are, emailers. Right? We don't do anything the same way. So when we read a story that's to help the people of that day understand something, and we think, well, it's not the same thing. So we've got to kind of look at it from their perspective and understanding that this would have been something they would have totally gotten understood. That doesn't mean it was hidden from you. It just meant that you were not the people it was originally written to, so thus we have to put ourselves into their position and say, okay, cool, they were planters, farmers, this is how they thought about things. So this idea of seed was something that they got, right? Well, we don't understand it quite so much. I had some help with this one because James actually is, this is actually only for James today. Uh, all the rest, no, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> he sent me some information because he's actually a farmer. That's what he does. And there's some interesting stuff. It's going to come out in the next two weeks. Now, let's read this. This is in Matthew 13. Okay? Let me, I'm way, I was reading ahead here. Now, remember, we have already read most of chapter 13. So now we're going back and reading this core, big, big parable, this big story that Jesus gives us. So let's start. So he spoke to them in a parable, saying, Behold, the sower went forth. And when he sowed some seeds, it fell by the wayside, and the fowls, or the birds, came and devoured them up. Devoured what up? Seeds. Okay. And some fell on a stony place, or a rocky ground. This is you guys over here. This is the wayside, by the way. Not west side, wayside, okay. It's the rocky ground. It says, there was not much earth there or much soil. So when it went forth, it sprung up quickly, but it had no depth in the earth. So when the sun was up, it scorched it because it had no root and it withered away. Some fell among the thorny grounds. <laughs> Some of y'all, it's good that you sat there, honey. Sometimes you are the thorn in my side. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I can only get away with that right now. Okay, so <laughs> the thorny grounds. Okay, and what happens when it's there? The thorns sprung up and choked them out. Choked what out? The seeds. Okay, and another fell into the self-righteous ground. All of y'all, y'all all thought you were good ground. I'm just kidding. No, it doesn't say that. It says some fell into the good ground, and it brought forth fruit, some 160 and 30-fold. He who has ears, let him hear. All right, y'all got the Spirit of God now? No, and if we keep reading, which we've already read, the disciples finally, okay, they've heard a lot of parables at this point, and they finally come up to Jesus like, hey, why do you speak in parables? Like, we've been listening to them for a while now, but we'd kind of like to start knowing some answers behind this. And then he gives them the answers. I'm not going to go through all that today. We already went through that over the last couple of weeks. Go back and listen to it. So now 
Obviously, they didn't get it because Jesus, after explaining to them why he talks in parables, if we scroll down a little bit or turn pages a little bit, we get to his explanation, which starts right here at verse 18. He says, therefore, hear the parable. Wait, wait, wait. Didn't he just tell it? So they already heard it. Yeah? Who says? Yes, they just heard it. No. They heard the words but understood nothing. So now he's saying, hey, hear it. Understand it. Get this. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked. And it catches it away, what was sown in his heart. This is the receiving by the wayside. This is you guys. Then over here it says, verse 20, it says, But he received the seed into the stony ground, is the same that hears the words, and right away is joyful for it. Yet it has no root in him. It endures for a minute. But when trials and persecution arises because of the word's sake, he's offended. By and by. <laughs> bye bye, Felicia. Verse 22. So he that receives the seed among the thorns is he that hears the word and the cares of this world. And deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he that receives the seed into the good ground is he that hears the word, understands the word, which is also now bearing fruit and brings forth some hundred, some sixty, and some thirtyfold. So now we've read it and we understand it. Let's break it down a little bit. Can I, can I, can I kind of retranslate that in the modern day? There's basically some different types of ground. Who's ever planted anything in life? Like, you know, Taryn has done some gardens. If you were here, we did some little mustard seed things, right? And so what we have is we have Jesus saying, listen, Linda, there's lots of types of ground and the seed is coming out, this thing that's going to, supposed to grow. But for one reason or another, it's not going to. There's only one way that it's going to grow. So what we need to do to understand this spiritually is because he first, he says, what kind of ground is there? The wayside ground. So this wayside ground is you guys over here. And he takes some seeds. And the wayside literally means like, like the road, right? So y'all ever been like on a, on a gravel road and like nothing, nothing's there? And he just throws it out. They're not pre-eaten, don't worry. And so as he throws out the seeds, this is exactly what happens. If you look, I can see every little seed. It's exposed. And no matter how long this sets here, it will not grow. It won't grow on any of this, by the way. That's fake grass if you're aware. He throws it out, and it says it just sits there right on the surface, exposed, where everybody's walking, and, and you can see it. Just, just try, People are trodden all over it, and what happens? The birds see it and come and grab it and take it away. So now the seed's gone. Now, see, they got the worst end of the deal. Oh, no. Then we come to the next one. Yes, I'm throwing it at every single one of you. I'm aiming for some of you specifically. Then we get to the stony ground, which Caleb is very familiar with because he hauled wheelbarrows of all this in here for me. <laughs> and it says what happens in the stony ground is it's sown. <laughs> Jim. <laughs> And it is sown in the, in, the, in, the, in the rocky ground. And what happens in the rocky ground, though? I'm about to slip on these things. On the rocky ground, it says, 
that it, it takes root for a minute, just for a second, like really quick. And immediately, I mean, it's just like, boom, we're going to grow. But what it says happens is that then what happens is after a minute, it springs up real quick, but after a minute, it withers away. It says actually because when the sun comes up, meaning like when the day comes, the day's coming, so like Monday, <laughs> it withers away, it gets scorched, and it's gone, it's dead. Then we come to the thorn ground. Getting a little more for this one. And then, the, cover your coffees. Uh, and in the thorny ground, what it says is as it's sown, what does it say happens here though? See, we don't catch this. While you're laughing at me throwing seeds, I'll throw another one at you if you don't pay attention. This is, this is old school discipline. <laughs> when you throw it here, see, we say, oh, and it didn't take because of the thorns. Incorrect. It says it started to grow. But something else was growing with it, and it chokes it out. Notice it doesn't say anything about the roots, like this one, where it had no roots. doesn't say that. It doesn't say anything about the fact that you could just see it. It says that it's starting to take root, but something else begins to grow beside it, and it chokes it out. Then we get to the good ground. Hey, Dad. <laughs> what happens in the good ground? It's spread out. And as the seed is spread out, <laughs> y'all thought I had something in my hand. As it's spread out in the, good, in the good soil, what happens? It begins to take root. And as it takes root, it grows. And as it grows, it produces something called fruit. And Jesus says, this is how the kingdom of God is. You may be saying, okay, so the kingdom of God is a bunch of seeds being thrown on all kinds of different things. Yes, but we have to determine who's what in the story. Now, I have heard this story in multiple of ways. One of them being that this has anything to do with you sowing money. And it doesn't, because you're not the sower in the story. Now, does that mean that sowing seed and money being seed is incorrect? No. Can it apply? Sure. But is it the point? No. The reason this is important, if you remember last week, last week we talked about this. If we take something that was meant to help us understand this core idea and apply it to something different, then we get to the scripture that's actually about this idea. Now we've missed an idea, right? Because we pointed them both to the same idea. Instead of understanding that they have a core idea that they're meant to describe to us, and then the next verses we get to, not immediately, but as we keep going, we'll get to this other idea. But when we take something, right, like we are talking about, and pick it out and then go place it over here, and does it help us prove our point? Sure. And is that point true? Yes. But is that what they were talking about? No. So if they weren't talking about that at the time, there must be something else that was trying to get us to understand. And if we miss that, how can we get the next thing? Are you all getting that? It's basically like, Going to an exam, in my opinion, and saying the answer is always C. Right? What, isn't that the rule? When in doubt, choose C. Does that actually mean the answer to every question is C? No. Sometimes you're going to get it right, and most of the time you ain't. 
And that's kind of what we've done with Scripture. We try to make all of them apply to the same idea, and they don't. They all apply to spiritual understanding, if you want to say that. But they apply to different sides of the spiritual understanding, not because it's so complex to understand, but because God is so vast, and thus he has to describe himself in a multitude of ways and help us understand what that means to act it out. Are you seeing this? So the kingdom of God is like seeds being thrown on a whole bunch of ground. But who's the sower in the story? Who's, what's the ground in the story? What's the seed in the story, right? Well, Jesus gives us that answer, doesn't he? Right here. Let me show you. Therefore, hear the parable. I'm now about to help you understand it, okay? Don't shoot the messenger. Jesus said this. Anyone who hears the word of the kingdom, the word word here, is the word logos in the Greek. I refer you back to every session we've ever taught because I've talked about this. John 1.1 1, 1 is that really, really good one. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and the word became flesh, all that stuff. I just kind of synopsized an entire chapter, but you get the point. So the word of the kingdom. There's a couple of things you've got to break down. Some, some of your translations may say word of God. Okay. Some of you just thought, he who hears someone read the Bible. Is the Bible the Word of God? Yes. Is it all God ever wanted to say? No. Both can be true at the same time. Because, by the way, the Bible didn't exist at this point. The Old Testament did in three separate parts. The New Testament did not. Y'all didn't know that when Jesus was alive. They couldn't have had books about what he had done because he had not done them yet. Simple enough. So when we read it, we discount, and we don't even realize it. We're completely undercutting the thing Jesus said he came to do, which was to put his spirit in us by simply reading it and saying, he who hears the Bible and doesn't understand it, well, I am screwed because I always read the Bible and I never understand it. That's not what this is saying. This is saying, he who hears the word of God, meaning both spoken and written, which if we looked at some of our other weeks, we noticed that it says that he put that in us from the very beginning, his spirit within us, from the very beginning. And he who hears this, if you under, don't understand it, and I love the word understand if you actually look at it, it means to set. Like, it makes sense now, and it is set in stone. Y'all ever heard that? Okay, I grew up, and I can pick, well, he's here. Uh, so I grew up hearing this phrase a lot. Why? Because I said it is set in stone. No why, no argument about it, unless you don't want to sit down for a week. It is set. This is what understanding means. So when it says that we understand Scripture, it means, yeah, we heard it, we perceive it, and it becomes set. And the ground by the wayside that's trotted every day, it says that right there, it says that that seed goes out and it is not set. That's how it can be carried away. So the seed is the word of God or the word of the kingdom. So you could say this. It's the explanation and understanding of the way God does things, his heart, his spirit, everything about him. That's what he's putting into us. And some of us, we just let it set on top. It doesn't sink in at all. And what does it say happens in this ground over here? It says then, in some of your translations, say the wicked one. 
Some of your translations say this. It says, and when the wicked one cometh. But it does not say the wicked one. Anyone who has listened, again, I keep referring, you're like, man, he is hardcore plugging in the last few weeks. Yes, because if we continue on and you don't listen back to him, you're going to be lost. And you're going to be thinking like, oh, heresy. And you're going to be all upset about something. It's like it's pretty plain as day. The actual translation said is when wicked comes, or the other word for this would be evil. The word in Greek for this is the word paneros, which means labors, annoyances, and toils. So this ground are some laborious toyances, annoying people. No, <laughs> filled with annoyances. Some of you are like, I definitely identify in this ground. I sit in the right one. Some of you are like, can I move grounds and sit over here real quick? What does it say? It says, when the word of God, when the understanding of the kingdom comes, it says that it says it's the normal path that's here. And when that happens, Paneros shuts in. Labors, annoyances, toils, all the daily activities and the worries and stresses of life, and it just carries the seed away. Can I put it plainly for all of you? When you're here right now, and the word of God has been spoken. It was spoken in prayer. It was spoken in music. It was spoken right now, or is spoken right now. And labors, annoyances, and toils, stresses, and worries are going to carry it away if we don't let it become, if we don't good ground, we seep it in. Carries it away, that which was sown in his heart. This is this, is this ground. Okay, so now we know what the seed is. Cool. We're kind of dabbling on we're understanding what the ground is because if, if we're the ones hearing it, we're the ground. So you are the dirt in this story. And you're one of these types of dirt. After all, doesn't Genesis say you're made from dirt? What happens when you die? You disintegrate into dirt. So this is a literal thing that is also helping us understand something spiritual. You're like the ground. The dirt and the ground can absorb things and can be choked out by things and can quickly absorb something, but it doesn't have any roots in it, or it can just not even take root because the carries and stresses and worries and all that, labors, annoyances, and toils fills you up so you can't receive the Spirit. And so it gets carried away by those things. Now this next one, so now we know the ground. The ground is you. Everybody say, I'm dirt doesn't make me feel good. None of scripture is meant to make you feel good. It is meant to change you and challenge you. The goal of life is to no longer become you and to have no opinion of anything that is not the opinion of God. So the next time you hear someone say, well, in my opinion, say, well, is it God's? Because I don't care to hear it. So we're the ground, we're the dirt. The seed is the word of God, both spoken and written. Does anyone take a gander real quick at who's the one sowing it? Both answers are correct. You chose both A and C apply. It is, at this moment in time, Jesus, the person of Jesus, who is called the Christ, which we talked about last week and the week before, and he is the current one doing the sowing. Actually, the next parable we're going to read says, hey, the sower is the son of man. Like, Beep. this is me, just in case you didn't see. But what happens at Acts chapter 2, which we will get to at some point, <laughs> what happens at Acts chapter 2 is it says, now the Spirit is in all. And so now it's the Spirit of God doing the sowing. And some of y'all are going to get messed up with this. Outside of the physical body of Jesus, 
with his spirit already in all flesh. If that messes with your theology, I'll sit here all day and help explain that to you. Now, let's continue. So now we know who the sower is in the moment and, and, and over time. You're still not the sower. Somebody say, well, I have the spirit, so now I'm sowing. No. You're supposed to be a servant to the other fields, reaping the harvest out of the field, yes, and watering and maintaining and taking care of the fields, yes. If we try to become the sower of the seed, some of you may have noticed in my seed bag here, there's lots of different types of seed. There's some sunflower seeds and some mustard seeds and some pocket lint. <laughs> and in these things here, this is what happens if we try to start sowing seed. We're wicked, twisted. We get it all mixed up. Half of it's God, half of it's not. Your job is to simply water what God has already put there. How do you do that? you got to already know what God has put there. Which means you've got to perceive people the way God sees people, not the way you see people. Let's continue on. I won't get on that too much. So, the next one is the stony ground. Now, in all my years, which is very short, but all my years, all 32 of them, I've heard a lot about the stony ground, a little bit about the good ground. We typically leave that one alone. And a little bit about the thorny ground. But when it comes to the stony ground, we've heard all kinds of things about it. It's a rock. It's a this. It's a that. And it literally means ground that is hardened, but specifically lots of little hard things because that's the way that the seed gets down in there and then it grows real quick. But it has nothing to attach to. Now let me ask you something. We read just the last, ones, the last couple of weeks about hardening of hearts. Notice it says hardening, like it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. One, you're, you get hard-hearted towards one person. And you think, no, I'm still multiplying, but God, that one is the untouchable one. And you get hard-hearted towards this one. And then towards this one. And then towards this one. And all before you know it, you got hardly any soil left. Nothing left for the Spirit to take hold of and to root itself in. It has nothing left because you have said, these parts are untouchable, God. That's what a rock is, by the way. It's the part in which you've hardened and said, God, you're going to have access to all the rest, but this one is mine. And it says, so that is your heart. And you've hardened it on all these little things. And like for a moment, it can kind of go boop. So like <laughs> on a Sunday and a Wednesday, it's like, whoa. And it, I, no offense. Everybody say, Jared does love us. Whoa, Jared, that was a good one. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And then Thursday, I'm like, oh, <laughs> Jared, can you help me? And I'm like, no. Y'all know how many times I've wanted to just be like video link from Sunday, blink, and not respond. <laughs> You're laughing because it's the truth, and I've done it to some of you. Now, <laughs> Why? It's not, I, I don't have the answer. It's not about Jared. It's about the idea of, because what happened was we've set aside so many things that God can't touch. We've got so little in that moment. It's like, <gasps> breath of fresh air. Yes, this is real. Yes, God is real. Yes, yes. And then tomorrow comes, the day happens, and then it just, it gets scorched. Because God says, well, I need to kind of break apart these things. And I think of being moldable and malleable clay in the potter's hands. This is the same idea here. Because what does it say here? It's not rooted in, though it endures for a while. A while. 
for a minute. A hot minute sometimes. For a minute, though it's there, as the day comes and it scorches it, why does it say it happens? Because of test, the word in some of your translation may say tribulation, and persecution arises for the word's sake. Why does it happen? Because you heard the word. Showing us that the nonsense of get saved and become a believer because your life gets better, Jesus said the opposite. It's going to get harder. But in that harder, you don't get harder. You get softer. Remember, everything God does is the reverse of how you think it should happen. Someone hurts you, we want to hurt them back. Or someone hurts us, I don't let you do it again. God says, do it in reverse. And rather... (laughs) He doesn't do it in reverse. We do it in reverse. After all, he is eternal, so thus his way was before ours. Okay. Y'all don't like me this morning. It's fine. Why? Because of this spoken word, the word that's in you. Oh, and so he's saying, oh, well, good. I just won't listen to it anymore. Then I'm not held accountable. Wrong. Remember, we already talked a couple weeks ago. If you don't remember, I'm going to tell you right now, is that God said, I put that in you already from the beginning. So I ain't escaping it. So for a minute he's excited, but then by and by he is offended. And ooh. The word offended here means to stumble and fall and now be a stumbling block. Jesus has more to say about this type of ground than he does the others, actually. He tells us more information about it, gives us more understanding about it. Why? Because he is more concerned as hey, if you coin to advocate the kingdom of darkness and hell in your life, that's fine. But stop making it for everybody else. (laughs) This is the hypocritical ground, by the way. Not you guys. I love you guys. You may be. Let that speak to you, but you may not be. This is the hypocritical ground. This is the ground in which can show up to church and come to prayer and do all these things and... And post the scripture on Facebook, and the next one we see directly speaks against what the Spirit of God said. And people look at it and say, what? This is fake, false, because you were stumbling and you let it try to take root, and then you want to go post that everywhere, but you hadn't let it take root in you. God God shares one thing with you, and you are Forrest Gump, run, Forrest, run, out the door, going everywhere, sharing with everybody. And he's like, I didn't tell you to say anything yet. Because that was for you. And I needed that to take root in you first. So then it is like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. This is Psalms chapter 1. That brings forth good fruit in its season. Which is more important, the seed or the tree? The seed. You want to know what? No, the tree. No. Y'all are like this chicken and the egg dilemma. Oh No, no because there could never be a tree without the seed. And you say, well, you had to have a tree to have the seed. Now, last time I checked, God created all things, so he made the seed first. Just, just to help you out. This ground right here, Jesus says, now, because of that, you've stumbled and fall. Does he say anything about you sinner going to hell for all eternity? No. Eternity is not in view right here. He is referring to your here and now life because the kingdom of God is here and now. And he's saying, if you 
stumble and fall. I ain't talking about that. But if you do it in this manner, you're now going to cause others to stumble and fall. And they can't receive it because what you've actually done now is allowed other things to grow in their life because you planted some stuff in their field. Or you've over here, now their hearts are hardened because you said you were going to do something because God told you to do it. Then you didn't do it. So they said, well, either you're a liar or God didn't tell you to do it. So you don't know God and you're a liar. This is how we look. And we wonder why the church is the most irrelevant thing in the world today. And God, Jesus gave us the answer and simply said, hey, let me lead and guide you. So keep your mouth shut till I say you can speak. The whole idea of sharing your faith, you better make sure it's actually your faith before you run around sharing. I know this is the opposite. You're like, no, we're supposed to shout it from the rooftop if you actually believe it. If you do not yet, shut up and be discipled. I know this is like, yo, this is everything in me is not liking this right now. I said, well, good. Go home and study it. Prove me wrong. I will stand up here the next time you're here and I will correct myself. I'll check myself before I wreck myself. Cotton. But this is what he's saying. This is not a, oh, shut up, I'm so horrible. No, that's shame. We already talked about that like 1,600 times. In Genesis, what does it say? What does man do whenever something fails? Man covers up and tries to... No, God says, just uncover it, let me deal with it. So this is not a shame thing of saying we're all so horrible. This is saying, observe, understand, so we can shift and change to the way God says to do things. All right, let's continue. A stumbling block. Then he says, he who receives among the thorns... He's heard the word, but the cares of this world and the deceit and riches choke it out. And literally the word cares here means distractions. I refer you to Matthew chapter 6, which we were reading on Wednesday, which says, seek first the kingdom of God, and then all of these things, right? That's, a, that's, a, that's probably one of the most profound things <laughs> that has ever been said in Scripture, and we quote it, and it rolls off our tongue, and there's no reality behind it. Seek first the kingdom, the way God does things, which means literally in every situation, before I respond, before I do anything, I seek first God's way of doing things in that. Then I put action behind it, because if I don't put the action, then what am I doing? Critical. We just talked about that. All scripture, all word of God is given for you to understand him spiritually and apply it in the natural. So it says the one with the thorn ground, it actually starts to take root, and most people don't notice this. So this ground can equally absorb like this ground. But the issue in this ground is that other things, other distractions get mixed up in it and begin to grow in it, and it says those will choke out that seed. This could be things of religious ideas. This could be things of the cares and distractions of this world, and it says the riches, meaning the things that, that you work so hard towards. I mean, just come on. Let's, can we just be real about this for a minute? We work 40 hours a week, give or take. Some are like, you know, 80 hours a week. To obtain what? Natural things. And what does it do? It's choking out the spiritual things. Now, the cool part is, is that Jesus says, now, don't worry about any of those things. But once you don't worry about them, and once you get grasped hold of me, once you're actually focused on those types of things, actually all those things will come back, so don't worry about it. But when you do that, then those very things that were distractions now become opportunities to water my fields. After all, you do call it your field of employment. These things rise up and choke out 
the very spirit within it. And I'd just like to go ahead and say about this thorny ground over here. Both began to grow. One got some miracle grow on it, apparently, and chokes it out. And the word choke literally means to remove breath from. Which spirit is breath? Removes complete view of spirituality in your life. And becomes what? Unfruitful. Now, the last one, you're like, oh, this is the easy one. (laughs) Sort of. But he that receives the seed into the good ground, he is the one that hears, and here's that word again, understands. So you've heard it, you're starting to, to perceive it, but now it becomes set, constant, consistent. It says now, this one, he understands it, it becomes set, which also bears fruit. And brings it forth some 60, 130, uh, uh, 160, 30 fold. And what's 160, 30 fold? I mean, like 10 times, six, six times, right? 30 times, like just absorbent amounts, right? So you plant one kernel of corn, you get lots of ears and stalks of corn. That's the idea behind this, okay? Happens in all kinds of different facets. But what it says here is that he who understands it and it becomes set in him, almost like rooted, like it's the only thing that gets to grow which means there must be some kind of maintenance going on. Y'all all said y'all had planted things before. Who has a flower bed? Who says my house is supposed to have one, but it has thus been overrun, and now you have put that thing that they put out there at Joe Pool Lake that says, this is native Texas grass and not to be mowed. <laughs> Why do we have these things? They're not taken care of. Why? Too many other distractions. And so it gets taken over. So this must mean that this good ground does not just poof. It's good ground. I'm good ground. It must mean there's some maintenance behind it. It must mean there's some, a lot of diligence, caretaking, devotion to keep it soft, pliable, malleable. Why? Because you're going to have to pick some weeds out of it in the process. Otherwise, it's going to turn into this. And if you don't pick the weeds, the weeds and all that are going to suck the nutrients right out of the soil, and then it's going to start getting hard. And before that, it gets to the hard, then all of a sudden, it's just going to become a pathway for people to walk on. You're going to be carried away by labors, annoyances, and toils. It's going to take root just for a moment. It's going to get choked out. It takes maintenance. And we're the soil, specifically our hearts. This is what it means to be the good ground. And he says, this is how the kingdom of God works. I am spreading my spirit onto all. And I need some good ground for it to take root in. So that means I need you to uproot some things that you've held on to. That means I may need to take a pummel and start to grind it down a little bit to get it soft and malleable. And that may mean I need you to stop being worried, which if you look at this, he starts... And works his way towards good ground. This is the ground that nothing can take root in. It takes root for a minute. It takes root, but then it's choked out. Y'all seeing this? Some of us can understand this in our actual lives. Of This is a little bit of a process of saying, first, it's almost like we have this thing called faith, which is like trust and reliance, and that gets rid of stress, worry, and care. 
I mean, I use my kids as an example of this all the time. They don't worry if they're going to eat. They worry what they're going to eat. Because they know dad's got it. Step one, remove, you can call it evil. You can call it uh, wickedness. You can call it, it, it is labors, annoyances, and toils. And that comes from you trying to do it your own way and not listening to the spirit of God and not trusting that he's got it under control. And when I say under control, not everything's going to work out great for you. That's not what I said. I said, meaning if you're under his control, he's got everything under control. Okay. So that happens right here. Then the next step is, is as you start to do that, it's kind of like it almost starts to get, okay, maybe you can kind of take root because you're kind of relying on him. And now he's going to start saying, now I got to start looking at these things, and I need to break them apart a little bit. I need you to become my way. And once I get you there, you can start taking root to things, but you may mm-hmm, you may be a little immature and not understand, and you're going to just receive everything and get carried away with the things of the world, thinking that that's, and, you're gonna get, and other things are going to get planted in there, and I need you to uproot all of those things. And in this process, you become the good ground. And I want you to know something in this process. Every single one of these, even the good ground, all is reliant on one understanding and one idea, which is I listen to what the Spirit of God is speaking to me. You may say, well, I don't know the voice of God. Well, you're given a whole lot of information on how to understand it, written form, and then you're given the best method of communication uh, ever given to man, which is called prayer, which is now say, I, I take this to God, and I don't pray about other people, and I don't pray about the situation. I pray about my heart and me, and I say, God, teach me, guide me. It's almost like David said it this way, search me, try me, meaning Dig around in my dirt. (laughs) And he says it a little kinder. See if there's any wicked way in me. And I would say this. Find all the wicked ways in us. Because there's uh, plenty of them. Every single one of them is reliant upon that. Becoming the good ground. It's maintenance. It's work. This is why it's called your walk of faith. Step by step. Time by time, it's working, working, working on it. You don't get to go plow the ground once and it stays that way for all eternity. You don't get to pull the weeds once. I mean, it is Texas. You can pull the weed and you turn around and one somehow sprouted back up. We live in an area where you dig down maybe a foot or two and all you hit is rock. Think about that. It takes constant, consistent action. Dedication to the one thing, the Spirit of God, above all. And some of you who are trying to give you a justification, oh, yeah, like, like a little bit here, and then, no, i got to handle this thing. No. I already read to you last week, and if you, you know, it was there. Take no thought for tomorrow. I mean, no thought should run through your mind about natural things until God says, now do those things. That's the goal. Doesn't mean that's where we're at. That's the goal. And we constantly work towards it. Now, you all have a jar of dirt. Davy Jones' heart is not in it, kids. If you're like, I don't get that. So, all of these jars of dirt, your job is just like the candle. I know. Is <laughs> to keep that jar of dirt and sing I got a jar of dirt. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> to keep that jar of dirt within arm's reach 
at all times because that's the level of care and cultivation that it takes. So you go to sit down and type an email, the jar of dirt goes there. You do your thing. You're getting ready to go to the bathroom. You set it on the shelf or behind the toilet. You're getting ready to take a shower. It's got a cap on it. Oh, but I'm trying to get clean and I may get dirt all over me. <laughs> Everywhere you go. Now, I'm being ex- ex- excessive with this because this is the level that I want us to think about this. And then bring it back with you next Sunday. This isn't as easy to get a new one as the candle because there are only so many of them. And I have barcoded all of them so you can't go on Amazon and buy you a new one. I'm just kidding. (laughs) And when you bring them back on Sunday, we are going to understand the next part of this, which is the next parable Jesus gives us about a man sowing in his field. So that represents your spiritual soil, that dirt in there. It represents it. It has no spiritual magical powers. It is literally miracle grow potting soil we got from Home Depot in a jar that we got from Amazon. It is simply an illustration to put in front of your face every day and say, I am supposed to be good ground. I'm supposed to be moldable ground, not hard ground and not stony ground that comes up for me. I'm supposed to be constant. It's supposed to take root in me. I'm supposed to be uprooting. This is what I'm supposed to look like, and I'm supposed to keep it in front of me at all times, concerned with my spiritual side of of being moldable and pliable to listening to what the Spirit of God says to where his seed takes root in me. Because then what happens is I bring forth fruit. Those fruits are commonly called the fruit of the Spirit. Has anybody heard of those before? You want to know the biggest issue with church? They teach you about the fruit of the Spirit and say, get the fruit of the Spirit. Try to get this thing. That is impossible. Unless you're trying to steal. If you're going to grow the fruit you got to start with the ground and the seed. So before we talk about, I want to learn about the fruits of the Spirit, just learn about the Spirit first and watch the fruit come. i I, I got to keep going because y'all ain't quite getting this, okay? I'm a Thompson. That's my last name. There's several of them in this room right now. We're a heck of a lot alike in a lot of ways. And I was not taught that. I just am it. Think about that in your spiritual walk. We try to teach ourselves how, 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 how to obtain instead of saying, if I get to the Spirit of God, the seed's already in there, and he'll start working on me, and he'll develop me into what I need to become. So you're like, so there's no reason for church? If you go to God, no. But you know what he's going to do? He's going to turn around and say, now, become my church. Get to the face of God. And that soil, that jar, that simple, stupid little thing is the illustration to say, am I maintaining my heart?